Now, find a massive 30% off the Thompson's Vitamin range. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go. Flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio. Love that I feel. Oh, nothing lasts forever, but I'm down for the minute, so just chill. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go. Flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio. Love that I feel. Oh, nothing lasts forever, but I'm down for the minute, so just chill. Izzy Kempi for breakfast on SENZ with Made It Friday. Man, that week has gone fast, I must say. So what happens when you're having a little bit of fun and that song, well, that's the last time you'll be hearing that track. Monday morning will bring you something big. It is a long weekend. I'll be working long hours on Monday. Are you working too, Kempi? Yeah, mate, we're doing four hours, me and you, on Monday. Um. Oh, beauty. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on King's, the King's Day, in it, Your day. Yeah. <laughs> King's birthday with King Kempi. Oh, beautiful. Look forward to it. But before then, we've got a big day. A big good morning to you, Ricardo Ball. What's that singlet? Is that a Ravens singlet? What is it? That's an Eels singlet. It's oh, a, Eels. Yeah, he's, bra- he, he's a brave man wearing that, number 47. Who was number 47? Okay. Who was the well, 47th no, was, player to play for Parramatta? That's a great question. It's 47 because that's the year that they were established. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. so there you go. It's actually built right too, mate. It's got the old stitching, the cotton oh, stitching. Oh, that's a good good thing. I bought this uh, the first year we had the Rugby League Nines at Eden oh, Park. Yeah. I bought yeah, it yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's no, a goodie. It's a goodie. But I, I don't know if you guys, obviously, everybody else missed the memo. I said last week, let's bring back Footy Shirt Friday. Everyone <laughs> went, yeah, great idea. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, Maybe a little reminder last night would have been okay. good. Okay. All right. Kez is wearing a Portland Trailblazers uh, sweatshirt. I don't yeah. know if that counts as footy oh, shirt okay. Friday. but I'll yeah. go get my Crusaders hoodie on, okay? All right. Done deal. Kempe, what are you gonna do? Yep. Uh, I'm just, going to do? Yeah, I'll just... Kempe's going skins for the rest of the yeah. show. <laughs> Ooh, this is scary. <laughs> scary, scary. <laughs> Oh, I've got a few. I've got a few, but I've, they're all they're all parked up in a in a uh, in a vault, mate. So I'll have to go and pull a couple out. I, I, I actually do remember you saying that, Rick Dog. So I will grab that one. I grab that Wally. I think I grabbed the Wally, um, the Mel Meninga one. Yes, probably yes. the only one that fits me. Will it, will it fit, Kempi? Come on, uh, let's be honest. Like, like I said, none of mine will fit. Mel Meninga was probably this size when I played against him. You know what I mean? Mm. He was a giant, mate. I remember I remember playing against Mel down in Melbourne. You know, ninety one. And uh, we won that test, and the, you know, you you know when you you don't really remember too much of test football. It's going too fast, you know, and you're breathing, and 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 people say, "Oh, do you remember that game?" And I go, oh, "I remember we won it." 
you know, but I don't remember too many too many of those games. But I do remember one part of it, and it's they when the Aussies used to move the ball, so they used to go to Langer to Lewis to Meninga, mm. and they it was like the old way of running. There was no lead runner and sweeper. It was like get the ball to Meninga as fast as you can. And I remember <laughs> I was defending inside Davy Watson on the left hand side. We, we're from the same hometown in Waitara, so we knew each other. And I'm running up next to Davy. I'm going. Here he comes, <laughs> and, talking to, and I'm, I'm talking about Meninga, and I'm going to Davy. Here he comes, like and all you and I, in my head, all I can remember is Meninga. It was like it was like a train, mate. Like you know, he used to wide his arms. Used to be if you if you get a front on shot of Mel Meninga running, it was the scariest thing ever. And yeah, he ran straight over the top of me, mate. When I got to him, and he got the ball, he went straight. Davy jumped on his back. We we stopped him, but. Yeah, that was probably the the most. I still have that collection um, in my mind, and that bloke was probably the size of me now. So it was a scary um, sight. And you're right, right, Izzy. It's probably the only jersey that fits me at the moment. <laughs> no, yeah, I'll just say that because none of mine will ever fit me. I've got a long way back, but mate, just talk a bit more about Marking Mel. Like he, he's he's gonna is he, is he an immortal? Ah, yes. oh, he is. He yeah. is. He is like he hasn't been like a, a more like class as an immortal yet, or has he? Is he is immortal? I I don't think he's he's got he will that. Be. He might have got that. I think before Joey Johns was he the last one before yeah, Joey? Yeah, no, he's been named. So th- these are the eight: yep. Wally Lewis, Arthur Beetson, Graham Langlands, Andrew Johns, Daly Messenger, Frank Burge, Dave Brown, Norm Proven, and Mel Meninga. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. See, I got to play with and against three of those guys, Joey, um, Mel, and Wally. And, like, Wally was just a scary mate, you know, because – and Wally was unassuming. They call him the king because he didn't – he wasn't a footballer. You know, he didn't have a footballer's shape, body. Um, it's like, a bit like Tyson Fury. He ran – his feet were really <laughs> sort of – he was pigeon-toed, so when he ran, his feet were really short. So he didn't have a long stride, not like not like Meninga, mate. Meninga was he was like a Group One stallion, like when he ran, man, he's a big dark stallion running at you, not hundred miles an hour. And then Joey Johns, and he was the same, you know, or bucket bucket ass. He he didn't look like a footballer either. Um, but you get him the ball. I remember people trying to run over the top of Joey, and Joey just he, his defence was just as good as his, his attack. But Marky Meninga uh, is he scary? It was you know that. That I was coming into that era where we were just getting used to playing against the Aussies and and winning a couple, um, but it was always a challenge. We had we had we had the same guy on our our side that was like Meninga, and he marked up against Meninga when he was nineteen. Kevin Edel, uh, those two together when they marked each other, it was it was such a good. You know, I was on the other side of the football field, but it was such a good battle to watch because Kev was just as devastating. It's interesting you said that about Joey Johns because I remember being uh, on the ground at Mount Smart at one point for a Newcastle game, the Warriors Newcastle, and Joey Johns was out warming up, and I'd I'd never seen him up close, you know, but I was like maybe ten feet away from him. The thighs on that guy is he? Boy, mm. like I mean, like I'm not small, but I reckon his, one of his thighs was both of mine combined. He's like tree trunks, <laughs> his legs. Oh mate, and and when you're opposite them. Like I've been opposite some some big blokes in, my, in the time, and I'm thinking, oh, please pass the ball, please miss them out, or do something. It, it's a, you know those players that are special, eh, hey, lads? Like you, you can't be you played against some special players. The ones that are really special, 
they stand out. They stand out because they're just presence, and everything that they do is is world class. Oh man, you're lucky! Like you got to play against one, well, a couple of the greats, mate. You yeah. got one of his jerseys. No surprises. You went and asked him for his jersey. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm just surprised <laughs> he gave it to me. Like you know, <laughs> but he, he like he was a he was a true champion. And and Wally too. Like in my day, when I I was so lucky to be a young bloke playing in that mm. against that guy on the back end of his career. Um, when he was playing for Australia. But you know when you have a guy, you know how they talk about Cam Smith runs the game? You know, the modern-day footballer, and everyone goes, oh, Cam Smith, like he just gets into the referees and he talks to them. Mate, Wally Lewis used to do it on steroids. He was 10 times better than Cam Smith. You know, that's why, they could, that's why Ray, Ray Warren on Wednesday said, when I asked him who was the best player that you saw through Origin, and he said, I've always said it, it's the king, Wally Lewis. Mm. And, mate, I've been in games where he's just had referees wrapped around his finger and you're just sitting there there and not because I was a young guy I couldn't talk to the referee I'm going I can't believe you're falling for that one you know <laughs> <laughs> the special ones eh? the special ones Richie aka McCall that was the one in the rugby union just had something with those referees love it Kempe yep 40 Friday sports Friday uh, Rick We'll remember next time, brother. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, Kempe, what have we got coming up on the show, brother? Well, it's a good day today, mate. It's a stacked card. We've got Sean Maitland coming out at 7 o'clock talking rugby and his uh, obviously his tra- trips overseas. Al Sheik Sharok will come on at 7.40 to talk about a couple of horses, um, one called Jam, of course, uh, just ask me, and another one that he's just sold. Uh, Artie Severe, the great man, the great All Black, will join us after 8 o'clock. We've got... Quizzy Dag today, and if you're listening and you want to play Quizzy Dag for the first time, don't be shy because today the bonus bet is worth two hundred bucks. That'll get your weekend rolling, especially if you chuck just that on Jam. You'll get you'll double your money. Uh, Paulie Mawadi also will get some tips off him. Friday tipple, and uh, yeah, so hopefully new tunes, mate. We'll play some new tunes out. Kez has got a couple, mate. Kez has got a couple. Beautiful, two hundred bucks, eh? Mm. Sure, here's a question, lads. Should we give it away today, or should we play the same way we've been playing? Like it's built up. We want to have one of our lucky listeners going into the weekend with you know, pockets full, don't we? Well, Kez is giving me the old jackpot at sign, but I reckon when you get to this amount, you've got to give it away on a Friday, don't you? You've got to give yeah, it away Friday, on a Friday for a weekend punt. Friday, I'm, I'm, leading into the weekend. Yeah, I'm fun day Friday, mate. Like it would be, yeah. would make my day if I got a two hundred dollar bet. Bonus bet put in my TAB account, especially with the races on this weekend. Some some good racing over um, in Brisbane, and of course, uh, we've definitely got some good racing here in New Zealand down in Whanganui with that uh, that race as well. So, mate, if I had that two hundred dollar bonus bet, I'd know what I'd be doing with it. Well, there you go. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven is our phone line. You can call that any time throughout the show. Double eight double three the text machine on the temper bedpost text machine. But Quizzy Dag at six forty, we're going to give away today that two hundred dollar bonus bet for the from the TAB. And I'm encouraging you. I know you hungry pundits at home that are always hungry for that bonus bet every single day. Well, if you're a new caller, I won't rig it. Promise. Wink, wink. I'll get you paid. <laughs> so remember, 6.40, Quizzy Dag you know is coming how, up. You know how you say I won't rig it, that you're supposed to stop there, you're not supposed to say wink, wink? <laughs> that kind of defeats the whole purpose, bro, just quietly. Yeah, I know. I know, but can I, can I, can I tell, me a, anyway, can I tell a story about that? me. <laughs> I tell, it's a similar story. It's not got winking. But, man, remember yeah, when you, you first go to your first bar? You know, like, I don't know if you guys remember when you go to your first bar, but I used to hear these stories, you know, like I'm 16. I think when I was... 
allowed, you weren't allowed in the bar back in my day till you were 21. So that was, it was a long time ago. But I was 16, went to the, up to the White Hart. They had this room called the Red Room, Rick, and it was where the live music was playing. The exponents oh, yeah. were playing. Sweet. Came into town. So I went up, thought, oh, yeah, I'll go to the exponents. And I did the story about all the boys, you know, all the older boys. And they go, yeah, mate, we just go in the bar and we just drink our rum and coke. You know, we take a bottle of rum in and get a coke. And then we just drink our rum and coke. <laughs> so that's what I heard. That was what went into my head. So I go, I'm 16, get in, go into the bar. I go up to the bar, and the, bar, the girl goes, what would you like? I said, a Coke. And so she puts a Coke, yep, pulls a Coke, puts a Coke down in front of me. I pull my rum bottle out. <laughs> oh, my. And t- t- tip it into the, tip the rum into the Coke. And she goes, looks at me and goes, what are you doing? I said, just having a rum and Coke. <laughs> and shall we say that, uh, no, the bottle lost it. They didn't kick me out. They just took the rum. <laughs> Is a trap for young players? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Experience. That's it. Oh, gullible. Oh, that is outstanding. That is outstanding. Oh, well, we should, oh, listen, boys. I think, I think we should move on. We should, and we should move on and do this. Can't wait question of the day. Oh! I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday, but there's a story that's come out of Australia, an interview that Eddie Jones has done. And he said, Crazy. regardless of what happens, whether I win or lose the World Cup, I'm quitting after the World Cup. He's just, he signed a five-year contract six months ago, replaced <laughs> Dave Renton. He's like, no, I'm done. I'm, out. I'm, I'm one and done. Uh, this World Cup, I'm out. Uh, which made me think, I don't know if that's a bad thing for Australian rugby. I mean, how much money are they going to save if they don't have to pay out the rest of that contract? But, I mean, well, what does it mean for Australian rugby if Eddie Jones quits after the World Cup, regardless of what happens there? Uh, now that they've got a, Andy Marinos is gone or going and, and, and Eddie Jones is going to be gone, what does it mean for Australian rugby? I mean, as New Zealand rugby fans, should we be worried? Because we need Aussie rugby to be reasonably strong for us to continue, right, Is Yeah, look, it's, it's an, I don't know if I believe it. You know, Eddie Jones is Eddie Jones. You just you, We spoke yesterday about, about, uh, yesterday about the mind games that coaches play. Steve Henson, very, very good at it. Other coaches out there are very good at playing the media. This might be Eddie Jones having a little ploy. You know, like he loves to create a little de- little bit of debate, keep everyone on the edge of their seats, you know, not getting comfortable. But, um, oh, look, obviously with Andy Marinoff's gone, uh, that's a big reason why he's obviously signed with uh, Rugby Australia because they've got a really good friendship. That might have repercussions. That might be the reason why. It probably is the reason why. If he goes... Will it be the be or end all? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. I think like he's going to do his job. And Richard McCaw come out yesterday and even backed him. Like any team that Eddie Jones gets his hands on in the first six to eight months, they're going to surprise plenty. And that he's not the first person to say that. So they're going to be competitive. But if it is true and he goes at the end, I don't think it's the end. But Hamish McLennan, the CEO or the chairman in Rugby Australia, he is. Shaking a few feathers, isn't he? Mm. He is shaking a few feathers. There's a bit of a uh, there's a bit of a fraction between NZR and Rugby Australia. Just a bit of an ego off, um, but yeah, I, I think he's probably the the guy, if anyone, that really needs to step aside and let things play out. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you'll call on that, but like we read a lot. I've never met the bloke, but for what I get an understanding, he's he's losing the he's losing the backroom a wee bit. 
Yeah, well, is that, he? Those, oh. Well, those two going, is it, is it all down to, to the Well, look to at it. Chairman? It's all falling apart around them. Mm. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And and you you just don't know with, with Eddie Jones, too, what the if it's a diversion from a, from from the, you know. That's what I mean. The I core issue. Yeah. Is he, throw, is he throwing a diversion in there? Because he knows that he's probably been told he's not going to have a five-year contract either. Yeah. Um, like I said last week, he was sitting down and watching the that Stan Sport um, while I was down in the Hawke's Bay that was playing in the hotel and just listening to them talking about Australian pathways. It's a t- it's a tough one for Aussies, eh? Because they play rugby in private schools, mm. you know. And when you're talking mm. to the league boys, because because rugby league through New South Wales and Queensland is their number one sport, you t- you talk to them about rugby and they say, well, none of us play rugby because none of us went to private schools, you know. It's the Kibra highs, yeah. the Corumban highs, you know, the public schools. Um, and the, and it's sort of the rich man's game in, in in Australia. It's whether or not they can actually get people like Eddie Jones. So if you're saying that the the, the player base is poor, is he? What does that mean about the coaching base? Because you've had Dave Rennie yeah, there. You know what I mean. You've had Kiwi yeah. coaches before. Um, do you go back to that, or do you, do you pull someone through the Australian system? Yeah, I think if the, if Eddie does go, that the next man on on the block is probably um, Stephen Larkin. You're probably thinking Larkin's going to have a, a crack at the head roll. He's been with the Brumbies for years. He's been plying his trade. He's probably the obvious fit to take over from Eddie. But outside of that, Kempi, there is no one else. Really, there is no one else. And that's what I love with league. Like the, the, you look at Billy Slater and and the NRL. Like a lot of the past players, the great players, they stay involved with the game and they get into coaching. It's a special role. Don't get me wrong. People ask me if I'd coach. I'm like, hell no. I enjoy helping people and I enjoy you know, being a mentor for a lot of these players. But when it comes down to coaching, you've got to really be deeply in love with the game. Now, someone over there, Stephen Larkin, prime example. He could take over that role. But outside of that, when you think of rugby IP in terms of players, who else is involved in the game? There's no one. Mm. Brad Thorne, maybe? No, I don't think he's be, cooked, yeah, isn't he? He won't take it. He won't nah, take it either. He won't, he won't get it. Nah, look, he, I think his time at the Reds, he went in there and he made a real big culture shift. But, um, you know, he's real old school. That old school mentality of just being tough and being angry. Yeah. And you saw that with Freddie Fittler. You know, yeah. it works to an extent, but a guy like that's calm and cool like Billy Slater, you get a different reaction to this day and age of players. It is changing, but you know that. The yeah. players are changing their ways that they react to certain criticism. It's different now. So you've got to have a certain approach to coaching. Eddie Jones, he'll get a change real quick, but after a year of that, you get stale. It's it's old, you know, so yeah. he'll lose the room. So they're probably making a good decision with that decision, Rick. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, he did himself say that he stayed in the England job too long, didn't he? And that, you know, and, yeah. he, and, and he learned from long. that. He learned from that. But, I mean, one year's not too long. Yeah, I know, I know, but one year's probably long enough to hear his voice moaning and, and being angry, you know, like, so, yeah, but the future for Rugby Australia doesn't look bright because they're going to have to go offshore unless Stephen Larkham steps into that role and who's his assistant's going to be like, they need to really lean on that rugby IP, the people that have been there, you've got to look to the Bledisloe, the Gregans, the Horans, the Mortlocks, you know, the the Totai Kefus, they're the people that know what it takes to win Bledisloe Cups, 
they need to be involved with that rugby team because at the moment they've got no identity. They haven't had the uh, the British for years, and um, that's where they really need to get to. I think rugby Australia. How long? How long is it? The been since they've had the British side. Two thousand. Two thousand and three, I think. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. Twenty yeah. twenty years of empty cabinets. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was yeah. that story that the actually uh, Australian uh, rugby HQ got broken into and their trophy cabinet got robbed. Did you hear about that? Oh. No, the police are looking for a green and gold carpet. <laughs> I don't know if I got robbed. They had nothing to steal, Ricardo. Well, that's what I mean, mate. The only thing missing was the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> nothing else in there. <laughs> I know there's nothing a few... on the computers, too. There's no money. <laughs> I know there's a few Aussies listening, too. They'll be bending over backwards to, uh, to get that bled. It's like, mate, look, if he, if he leaves, I I don't mind him as a, as a character. I think he's colourful and he's good for the game as far as you know, when you listen to him, I actually listened to a, a – he did a guest speaking stint and I, I sat down and I listened to the podcast. He was actually quite entertaining. Um, mm. But, yeah, where do you go? Where do you go? I'm, and the other thing is, what is the diversion? Because as soon as you said that to me, I'm like, well, what is the diversion? Is he signed to go to Japan? Has he signed to go to the Northern Hemisphere and go back to club football? You know, is that where he thinks that, you know, he's going to make he's gonna make his money? Because he's not going away. He'll, Mate, it, these, these blokes don't need to work again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. They've made plenty. They'll go get an advisor role in Japan and turn up for a month and go home and make plenty. Yeah, That's exactly. Exactly. I mean, the only reason for him to keep coaching is ego. He doesn't need the money. So a, a cushy job as the director of rugby for United States Rugby or something like that, will, like, as he said, will be, the, will be the go for him. But, yeah, your thoughts. That is a can't-wait question of the day. Eddie Jones says he's quitting after the Rugby World Cup despite having a five-year contract. Where does this leave Australian rugby? Our temper bedpost text machine, double eight double three. You can call us, of course, 0800 150 811. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance.